Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. So I often do this thing where I mentally compare national parks to Disney movies in my head. It's just this thing my brain kind of instinctively does. It's really more like an uncontrollable impulse of mine, I guess. (laughs) I mean, that makes sense considering national parks and Disney World are two of our favorite places. Yeah, definitely true. Our top two. And when I was hiking through Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park in western Colorado, I kept thinking it kind of reminded me of Maleficent's Castle in Sleeping Beauty with all these, like, twisted, gnarly trees especially, and then, of course, the pitch blackness of the canyon. So deep, so steep, it's constantly shrouded in its own shadows. Yeah, it's a really hauntingly beautiful place. I mean, it's intimidating in all the right ways. Yes, and instead of fairies, though, it's adorable black bear cubs. Fortunately, no curses, no sleeping, just pure beauty. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. We packed up our loft in Chicago, moved into an RV, and now we're traveling the country full-time visiting America's national parks. Today, we're talking about Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park in Colorado. Thanks for listening. The diversity of Colorado's national parks really just astounds me. Mm. Right before this, we were in Mesa Verde National Park, as I'm sure you remember, because... You're obsessed with that place. Yes, and I think we talked about that in episode three, right? We did. We did. You were so excited to do so. But even though that park is only a few hours from here, it totally feels like another part of like the galaxy entirely compared to Black Canyon. Yeah, we had a few weeks in between my work events and our trip to the Black Canyon came in between Albuquerque and Wyoming. Um, we had about a month to kill in Colorado, and what a better excuse to visit national parks. Yeah, seriously. And honestly, if we're going to like kill a month in any state, it's good to do it in Colorado. There's really an endless array of things to do and places to go and trails to hike. Such a beautiful, diverse state. It really is. Yes, it is. So Black Canyon of the Gunnison actually gets its name from the Gunnison River that carved it and the fact that the canyon walls are so dark. It's just so beautiful because it's like located near this small town of Montrose where we stayed at the KOA campground for a few nights. Yeah, this is honestly one of the most convenient towns I think we've ever stayed in near a national park. It was literally like 15 minutes 
from our RV to the National Park entrance. So easy. And also in the town, there was a good amount of places to eat and visit as well to keep us busy and entertained in between the National Park. So that was that was great and kind of surprising because I wasn't expecting much. They also had a rental car facility that made it especially easy for us to get around while we kept the RV parked at the campground. Yeah, because some parks aren't like as accessible for larger vehicles, and uh, this is one of them for sure. The roads are mostly like quite small and they're narrow, and you know there's lots of winding routes and steep grades, and the visitor center parking lot is so tiny. There was barely any room at all. Yeah, it definitely filled up really quick. I remember the first day I went to Black Canyon, I was in the rental car. I went by myself while you were getting some work done, mm-hmm. and I guess it was this kind of inadvertent reconnaissance trip as well because... I had no idea through my research. I didn't know the roads were so narrow, and I didn't know the parking lots were so small. So thank goodness we had this car. So I was like, oh, wow, good to know, because the RV would, like, not work out very well here unless we woke up the crack of dawn and, like, took up five parking spaces, the bane of everybody's existence there, I'm sure. Right, I know. I'm usually one doing the driving and the gas pumping and the hookups and uh, even the maintenance. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, even though I'm not much of a help with RV, I think it's, payback for all those times they brought you coffee and donuts from Dark Matter in Chicago. So we can just call it even. (laughs) Sure. Okay, we're even. (laughs) Yes. I mean, over the years, I probably spent like, I invested like $1,000 in donuts at Dark Matter. You know, that's actually very true. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised as embarrassing. Probably like eight bucks a day. (laughs) Yeah, that's the coffee there is not cheap. The donuts are not cheap. Um, But they're sure as good worth it. And I made a habit of it. Uh, for better or worse. (laughs) But anyway, Montrose was surprisingly wonderful, like I said, and we'll talk more about that later. So stay tuned for that. But first, I think we should dive in and start with some of the geological background of Black Canyon first and what forces were involved in shaping this cavernous behemoth. Geology. Yeah, when most people think of the canyons and national parks, they obviously think of the Grand Canyon, which Mm -hmm. looks nothing like the Black Canyon. I mean, they're totally different environments, sizes, shapes, and despite the fact that they were shaped the same way, they are all very different. Right, right. You know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see one of those, like, Us Weekly-style show-offs of, like, who wore it best, Canyon edition, (laughs) a little, like... Yeah, between Grand Canyon mm. and Black Canyon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I'm, but, I'm there for it. But, but really, they're really even, they're just hard to compare between the two because they look nothing alike. I mean, the only thing they really have in common is these raging rivers, and I really do mean they're raging. Like, you can hear these suckers from all the way at the top of the canyon, and they're almost ear-piercing up there. Yeah, raging feels almost like an understatement. It's like a furious river. Like <laughs> so furious. Yeah, you can never under underestimate the power of water. This stuff will mess you up. And uh, just seeing what it does to like rock is really incredible. The fact that a river can look so thin and tiny from afar and still have the strength to chisel this jagged canyon is unbelievable. Yeah, no, this didn't happen overnight, though. I mean, it took a eh, cool two million years mm-hmm. uh, to get the Gunnison River to carve this canyon into the depths of these Colorado rocks. I think it goes at a rate of one inch per 100 years. It's a little slow, but, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. faster than what I would be able to accomplish okay. for sure if I was carving this myself. This is a canyon, Fast and Furious style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, 
But it, it, like, understandably, it, it does take time to whittle through these. Some of the rock here is so hard. Like, there's Precambrian gneiss and schist that's billions of years old, and you can't rush these things. The carving of a canyon, in culinary terms, is more like a slow stew than a microwave meal, to be honest. Ooh, or how about it's kind of like a crazy horse versus Mount Rushmore. Oh, yeah. That's Ooh. actually great. That's a much more beautiful so, metaphor. Really <laughs> excited about that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good metaphor. Yeah, we recently went you know. to both of those, which is why it's fresh in your memory, probably. Yeah, but the thing is, you know a lot about microwaving those meals on the RV, don't you? Um, I don't, don't, please don't out me like that. I Just <laughs> let me enjoy my freezer aisle package dinners in peace and secrecy, please. <laughs> No one needs to know that. <laughs> it's funny because we didn't even own a microwave in our loft in Chicago, and now we're making full use of the fact that we have our RV came with a microwave. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. it's great for Hot Pockets popcorn, which you pretend not to, but you do secretly like. Um, I feel like our microwave is turning you against me. It's interesting. I'm getting thrown under the bus a lot here. Anyway, anyways, let's get back on track here and get to the bottom of this canyon formation. But not literally the bottom because we were not brave enough to hike down there. No, not this trip anyway. That seemed like um, an undertaking to say the least. Yeah, don't get any ideas. I know you love hiking and you'll do it. Yeah, I really wanted to. I, like one of the days we were here, I was seriously looking into it. But then different things I read and heard in the visitor center. I'm like, maybe maybe another time. And we have more time here. <laughs> and I'm not quite so scared. So getting back to the river and the carving of the canyon. This thing, like we said, is a real beast. And the par- the park doesn't contain the entire canyon length of this river, per se, but it has the, uh, 12 miles of them. And these 12 miles are the most impressive. So impressive. In fact, the park features the deepest sections of the canyon, and it's so steep that the canyon floor only gets 33 minutes of sunlight per day. That's crazy. And sounds kind of... Depressing. Like, can you imagine living at the bottom of the canyon and only getting 33 minutes of sunlight? Yeah, it's like living in Alaska. No, thanks. I know, it's like living <laughs> in Alaska in winter, I guess. And I, it's kind of appropriate. In my research, I found this, like, hauntingly perfect quote from an author named Dwayne Vandenbush, if I'm saying that right. He wrote this book called Images of America, the Black Canyon of the Gunnison. Mm-hmm. And in it, he says this quote, Several canyons of the American West are longer, and some are deeper, but none combines the depth Cheerness, narrowness, darkness, and dread of the Black Canyon. Wow, that's a good quote. Jeez, I know. It sounds like a scary story. I love it. So as you can you can kind of understand why I'm getting serious Maleficent Castle vibes from this. Oh, yeah. It really, it really fits. And not only are the rock walls of the canyon dark to begin with, but the fact that this place is almost constantly immersed in its own shadow is why the Black Canyon has such a dark, ominous name befitting this Disney villain. So it all makes sense. Yeah, so this this river actually started raging 15 million years ago as a runoff mm. from the La Salle Mountains and the West Elk Mountains. Um, this is when it started carving its way into the ancient rocks as well as a lot of volcanic ash in the region. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that this river is so fast-moving and strong made it possible to cut through a rock that's especially tough, even if the pace was kind of slow and took millions of years to do so. And coupled with the hardness of the rock, such a powerful, roaring river is why this canyon got so steep over years. Oh, that reminds me of that that line from The Devil Wears Prada when um, Miranda says, By all means, move at a glacial pace. 
You know how that thrills me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm totally imagining Miranda Priestly talking to this river. I can just like see her visiting Black Canyon. And I'm sure she would also love all the florals on the surface, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, very in season. Very it's just in. beautiful because right around those, you get these the river, which drops 34 feet per mile through the canyon. And it means it's a pretty steep um, descent within just the first few miles. But you see all those, the florals with that. I mean, it's just, you can't beat it. It is, yeah, it's a nice juxtaposition because this canyon is so, like, jet black and kind of scary. It looks like an evil canyon. Not to like throw shade at it because it has plenty of its own shade. That was whoa, that was ooh, a nice little joke ooh, I accidentally made. Um, <laughs> I like how you're giving yourself kudos. Yeah, I gave myself right. kudos. You know, just go with it. But yeah, <laughs> the this natural juxtaposition of this canyon, just surrounded with these like bright, vibrant flowers, and then the greenery of the trees too up along the the canyon rim is really quite nice and very unusual. I don't think I've ever been to a canyon like this before. Or definitely not one that's intimidating, that's for sure. So in regards to the canyon, just how steep and deep it is, it's actually, it, the Black Canyon contains the fifth steepest drop for any mountain-fed river in all of North America. And to put that in a little bit of perspective, when you're comparing it to Grand Canyon again, the Colorado River and the Grand Canyon, in contrast, drops seven and a half feet per mile. Whoa, that's so, a big difference. Yeah, compared to 34 feet per per. The Black Canyon, that's that's a big difference. And I like I don't mean to keep turning this into an, an inadvertent competition between the two canyons, but I that's why I'm like thinking this who wore it best thing is such a good idea. It basically <laughs> writes itself. Yeah, and considering all the beautiful patterns in the rocks here, I think it would be a really tough competition. Like yeah. the painted wall, which is the tallest cliff in Colorado. Oh my god, yeah, that painted wall is magnificent. So gorgeous, so unique. It's this huge broad cliff face that's striated with these lighter strips of rock, which are called pegmatite dikes. So the whole cliff almost looks like this gigantic zebra, except like instead of white, it's just like a lighter shade of black. Yeah, and can you give me a more amazing view from the painted wall overlook on the South Rim Drive? Yes, you have to do that. It's so easy. I mean, there are lots of overlooks just directly off South Rim Drive. And this is, I think, the best overlook that I saw. Um, Like... Of all, they're all amazing, like I said, but it's definitely worth grappling with traffic on that road to pull off at the Painted Wall Overlook, for sure. Speaking of traffic, I think we have a traffic jam, and we're going to come back to you after this commercial break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. 
Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com Toyota, let's go places Hi, I'm Matt And I'm Brad, this is Parklandia And today we're talking about Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park in Colorado History Now that you know how steep and dark and raging this canyon is, you can Mm. understand why Native Americans and settlers were so intimidated by it and why they avoided it like the plague. Yeah, this is definitely the type of canyon that really brings a screeching halt to any travel or expedition because it's almost a completely vertical drop off the canyon walls, so not great for horseback riders or, like, any living thing that doesn't fly. Yeah, yeah, the Ute uh, Indians um, called the river Much Rock's Big Water. Which is totally fits. I mean, the depth and the darkness of the canyon uh, made them superstitious of it. Yeah, they were right to be superstitious of it, I think. Something this treacherous is definitely worrisome. It looks like it, like I said, it looks like it could be an evil place. I totally understand. Yeah, the first time anyone actually recorded any major exploration of this place was in 1853 by Captain John Williams, no other than Gunnison is his last name. Um, So now you know where the river gets it. Yeah. And much like Lewis and Clark, similar kind of exploratory fashion, he was leading an expedition from St. Louis to San Francisco. And when his party hit the canyon, it was basically this giant roadblock. So he wound up eventually just going way out of his way to travel around the south end of the canyon because it was just impassable. Yeah, he wasn't the last person to meet up with the canyon, though. When we stopped at the visitor center in the South Rim, we learned more about the canyon exploration at the the movie screening they were having. Yeah, that was a really good movie, by the way, like especially good. I think it's one of the best National Park movies we've seen, and we've seen a lot. We always make that a priority. Yeah, it was filled with some fascinating information, and we had no idea about most of it, like Mm -hmm. how William Jackson Palmer spent a ton of time and money to build a railroad from Denver um, through the San Juan Mountains. Yeah, I mean, quite an undertaking, and it did take a ton of time and money, of course, like more than a year to construct a 50-mile stretch through the canyon which wound up costing about $165,000 per mile. And that's a lot of money, like, nowadays. But considering this was in the late 1800s, that's an overwhelming amount of money. I can't even fathom what that must have been like for them to even attempt. Yeah, that's just crazy. And Mm -hmm. then in uh, in 1882, an engineer named uh, Brian Bryant Mm. surveyed the entire canyon, though a lot of his crew gave up because they were actually too frightened of it. 
Yeah, I get it. I would definitely do the same thing. They wound up building the rest of the railroad, again, around the south end of the canyon, which seems to be the go-to kind of alternative route. And in addition to miners riding it to Utah, it was also used as a luxury mode of travel for vacationers, including, shockingly, Rudyard Kipling. Ooh, a nice little Disney connection there. I know. Right, yeah. So perfect. So he wrote it in 1889, and he was totally smitten with it. He loved it. I just wish he wrote a Jungle Book sequel called The Canyon Book or something. (laughs) Eventually, that train line was taken apart in the 1950s, though. Um, So there's no more of that today. And in the early 1900s, other surveyors began looking for ways to reroute some of the new river into nearby valleys to help with the irrigation and the farming. Right, right, which is another fun fact we have zero idea about until the movie we watched at the Visitor Center. Someone really needs to give that movie, like, a belated Oscar or something. It's really very well done and super informative. Yeah, and in that, we uh, learned about Abraham Lincoln Fellows and William Torrance doing the exploring, and Mm -hmm. they actually floated the entire canyon length of the river on a rubber mattress. I can't. I mean, wooden boats would have been just shattered by the rocks, and so they had to, like, come up with, you know, plan B. Yeah. (laughs) And they <laughs> they did it. They went for it, which sounds like the most terrifying thing. But miraculously, the duo made it out safely on their mattress boat. And they were able to find sites in the canyon along the way to build this river diversion tunnel they were looking for, which is just totally crazy to think about how intense these explorations here have been over the years and the different techniques and attempts mm. that were made from various groups. Like, Wow. <laughs> yeah, Black Canyon is not easy to navigate, and it, this just proves the incredible strength of uh, nature. It really does. Nowadays, no one's floating that river on a mattress. Instead, Black Canyon of the Gunnison was named a national monument in 1933 and upgraded to national park status in 1999, which I think is a very fitting finale for this ferociously beautiful place. Trails. Even though we didn't trek down into the canyon, we definitely did explore plenty on foot here. Yeah, and it is really easy to do with a small rental car. And you don't even need to hike down in order to get to the canyon floor either, by the way. There's this long, winding, steep road that you can take down there as soon as you enter the park. It's called the East Portal Road. And you just take an immediate right pretty much after you go through the canyon or the national park entrance. And since the grade is 16% and the curves are so sharp, it's only recommended for small vehicles that can handle it. Yeah, the RV would be impossible to Impossible. Do I don't even know if they're like allowed. I think they probably have length. Yeah, um, if you want to die, go restrictions. for it. Restrictions, right. That's crazy. That wouldn't work at all. But it's definitely cool to get down there and gawk at the sheer walls and roaring white water. This area of the canyon isn't as deep as kind of the heart of the park. This is more towards the eastern end, but the views are no less impressive. And you really are quite a ways down for sure. So you're deep in it and just surrounded by these soaring, jagged, dark walls. Yeah, I mean, you can even picnic down there or fish. That's great as well. I mean, it's just a great setting for that. Right, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I I would definitely picnic. I'm not much of a fisher, but... Another cool thing about the walls are a little bit more spread out down here, so you have more light. So, because I I wouldn't really want a picnic in like darkness. <laughs> no, so, I'd rather just like hike and marvel at overlooks too. So, and the best place to start for that is at the South Rim, 
which is by far the most visited section of the park and the one closest to where we were staying. This is also the section of the park where you take this East Portal Road. So we're kind of in the thick of it. Yeah, I remember like parking at one of the overlooks because there was no parking spaces left at the visitor center, especially for the RV. Mm-hmm. And then just walking along the canyon rim to go see that movie by, and buy some souvenirs. Yeah, so we're able to like find ways around this parking issue. And at this visitor center where the movie theater, or movie, <laughs> movie theater, I wish, uh, at the visitor center, we were also able to find this larger National Parks Passport book for me because I'm kind of maxing out mine <laughs> and it's somewhat falling uh, apart or it, like it's definitely you know in I'm the throes of overuse. Why? Because you threw that sucker away. I know. <laughs> that was, uh, I got excited and ambitious and I was like, yes, I need to upgrade to something larger but then regretted it because I spent all this money on it and then resented it because I'm still attached to my original passport book. Yeah, there's just so much history there for you. Yeah, but even though it wound up being a waste, I really have no problem with giving more money to the National Park Service. I'm always happy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the beautiful thing is right from the from the visitor center there, we got to do a few different trails, you know, because they're all like kind of connected in this giant loop that brought us back to the car where we actually started. Um but where we actually started this trail was the Rim Rock Nature Trail, which was flat and easy and only about one mile round trip by itself. Yeah, definitely easy. And it connects right with the visitor center. So that's just a no-brainer. And I think we actually, before we got into the midst of the hiking, we went to this overlook that's a little, a few steps down from the visitor center. And that was like our first, I think, awe-inspiring view. It was such a good view. It was kind of crowded. There was a lot of people there because it was right by the visitor center, but plenty of room for everybody. And the railing takes you pretty close to the edge. It's a little nerve wracking. was afraid to hold my phone up because I thought I would <laughs> suddenly drop it. And then that's the end of that. But af- so after we do this um, little overlook here, we continue on hiking and we get more and more of these show stopping canyon views along the way. It's just kind of nonstop into this jagged, dark canyon. It None of it really looks like real life. It all just looks surreal. Yeah, it really doesn't. I mean, it's just stunning. Mm-hmm. Like, it's probably one of the most uh, beautiful places I've been. And I just love, again, how these trails connect. And, you know, the next trail that we started was that Oak Flat Top Loop Trail, um, which was a tiny bit tougher, though, since it's longer and has more elevation gain. Yeah, so this one's about two miles total. And the thing that makes it a a bit more challenging is that it dips below the canyon rim a little bit, which is awesome. You get a different perspective here. And it has more tree cover, which is a benefit, especially for hiking midday. And it's sunny and summery like when we were there. And there's lots of gorgeous aspen trees, oaks, giant boulders. It's really more of like the foresty area of the park that we experienced with so many little nooks that give you these perfect panoramas of the canyon, too. Yeah, I mean, you actually saw a bear there, right? Yeah, I really, yes. I <laughs> The first day when I came here and you were back of the RV working, I did this trail. So I did, wound up doing this trail twice. And towards the end of the, this like, Oak Flat Loop Trail, I saw my most exciting bear like sighting I've ever seen in any national park, I think. Well, it was pretty close too, right? It was really close. Yeah. So I was on my way back up out of the canyon and I saw this large animal kind of shuffling around in the corner of my eye. 
And I didn't think it was a bear at first. I probably assumed it was, I don't know, like a gopher or something. I don't know, like a big gopher. And so I look, and sure enough, it was this young black bear. Like, I probably a cub. It was still pretty small and clearly, clearly young. So, and that's good, too, because I don't know if I would want to be that close to an adult bear. But, right. yeah, it was close enough to be thrilling, but still adorable. Looks like a large teddy bear. We made sustained eye contact. We had a moment, and... You had a moment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just enough for me to take a few photos. And he was just so chill and patient, like, looked at me, posed, and then scampered off. <laughs> that's, that's truly amazing. I mean, I am, I'm really jealous that I didn't go that first day with you because um, we didn't really get to see any animals when we hiked together. No. Yeah, I don't think we did, aside from probably squirrels and chipmunks and whatnot. But we did see a warning sign on the side of the trail about aggressive deer in the area, which I think was just the adrenaline rush we needed, the, the mere prospect of being, I don't know, trampled by deer. Yes, that's so exciting and exhilarating yeah. to just be trampled by deer to death. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That's what I think of when I think of fun. Um, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, when we, uh, when we get done with that Oak Flat Loop Trail, um, the final portion of the trails that we did together was the Cedar Point Nature Trail, um, which is another flat and easy section that brought us back towards the parking lot. Right. So this is like the last section of that loop. And this is, I think, the easiest part. This takes you out of the canyon, away from the canyon, so you don't really have any canyon views here. You mostly, you like cross the section of the road, actually, yeah. at one point, and then you go through this open meadow and some short, gnarly trees. And these are the trees that I was describing earlier. They're kind of scary, sharp-looking, tangly, and thick. These are the ones that felt like the the ones that surround Maleficent's castle. Yeah, so, I I totally see what you mean right. when, it, when you describe it that way. I mean, they were quite sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unmistakably Maleficent. And even though there isn't a lot of hiking trails here, like aside from this gigantic loop at Black Canyon, you definitely have to do the whole scenic drive along South Rim uh, as well because there are so many of those great overlooks. And the drive is very doable in a smaller car, especially. Yeah, around the top, there's just not a lot of trails. Yeah, not not so much, especially not really on the south rim. Yeah, but one of the craziest things that came from these overlooks, you can um, you can actually see across the canyon to the north rim, where there's another like scenic drive and more trails that's actually super close. But since there's no bridge or anything connecting the two sides of the canyon, you actually need to drive a couple of hours around just to get there. Right, just like all those early explorers who went all the way around the south end of the canyon, except much faster now because you're in a car. And <laughs> I definitely did that. I remember carving out one day to explore the North Rim, and I was excited because this side is much less crowded. It's naturally, it's out of the way, so there aren't as many people. Um, the parking lots are much more open, and another bonus, the trails are longer, so it's really a win-win for me because I like long trails, and I do not like crowds. Yeah, I remember like looking at your North Rim photos, and they were just absolutely stunning. I mean, you're going to have mm-hmm. to post some of those on the Parklandia Pod Instagram. Will do. Um, but it, it looks like there's a ton more elevation gain there. Yeah, it, the trails on the North Rim feel very different from the trails on the South Rim. And I think the biggest example of that is the North Vista Trail, which is by far my favorite trail over there. It's about seven miles round trip to the top of what's called Green Mountain, 
It didn't really seem like a mountain to me, more of this gigantic rocky hill. I don't know if it, it is a mountain or whatever. But I, so I did the North Vista Trail to the top of this mountain, and it starts by the ranger station at the North Rim, weaves through a bunch of sagebrush, juniper forest, and then kind of steadily ascends up this mountain to a point that has incredible sweeping views. You're kind of above the tree, like there's no real trees uh, blocking your view up there. And you can see down into the canyon, almost like the entire length of it, with these snowy mountains way off in the background. Now, you also did that Dead Horse Trail, right? I did, yeah. That one was a little bit shorter. It was about five miles round trip and a little trickier and just in the sense that it's a lot more exposed to the sun. You kind of... The trail begins by this old, like, road. It used to be a dirt road for vehicle traffic. Now it's closed off just for hiking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and then you go through this sloping meadow and then kind of up, down, eventually ending at an overlook of the East Portal section of the canyon. So, it's neat to see that area from a totally different vantage point, too, because that's where, on the other side in the South Rim, you can drive down. So... I was able to do that one day and then hike out to the Dead Horse Trail and see it from from this angle. And it was great. Food. All right. So at the beginning of the episode, we said we'd like to talk more about the town of Montrose. Um, That's where we were staying. And I just really loved it. Yeah. The time has come to talk about Montrose. So when we were first driving in, I thought it would be kind of boring, kind of lackluster. I had very low expectations, but I am thrilled to report that Montrose blew those expectations out of the water. I really liked it there. Yeah, especially that little, like, speakeasy cocktail bar, um, Filoni's. Yeah, I think that's—so, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like a combination of Phil and Melanie. I think it's the two owners. I remember reading it on their website. That's right. And loving that. It's really cute. Yeah, we loved it so much, we actually went there two nights in a row. I know. Yeah, it was a total surprise because you found it. You were, like, Googling bars or something, and you found this speakeasy bar. And I would never expect to see such a legit cocktail bar in a town this small. Yeah, no, I I really did love that. Uh, it was really cool because when you walked in, you had to ring a doorbell, like mm-hmm. a real doorbell, and then you had to give a password to get in. And I didn't know the password. Um, no, me neither. Yeah. And the second night, I had found it on their Instagram. Yes, yes. I remember. So we didn't have the password. And they opened this little kind of window in the door. And Old at, school mafia. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's, it feels very mafia. And you're in the alley. And we're like, oh, we don't know. And she was like, well, tell me a joke. And I think you actually repeated your Mesa Verde joke. Of course. Right? I definitely did. Do you yeah. want to revive that right now? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm still embarrassed about it. Why Everybody did, loves it. Why did the snake cross the road? I don't know. To get to the other Mesa. There you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's the one you told the the woman at Felonies. And I don't remember her reaction. She was probably confused. But she was just like, okay, come in. She was really nice. She was really nice. And service there was thoroughly wonderful and splendid. Like, everybody there was great. We and, had our own little private scene. Oh, here. yeah. It was so amazing. I like, love uh, our little, like, see through curtains all mm-hmm. around our table. Yeah. I love any bar that's kind of dark, intimate, with all these little, like, little nooks 
like this was a pretty spacious bar with a wraparound bar and like different lounge chairs and sections and like high chair like it was great and we got our own little section surrounded by this like red mahogany curtain so we kind of felt like we're hiding away in a fort which is always what i want when i'm Having cocktails. Yes. And I remember they made that old-fashioned uh, on a table-side cart. I know. Very impressive. This is probably the first time we've had, like, table-side mixology at a national park, I think, or near a national park. And that really reminded me, like, any anything served off, like, a bar cart just totally reminds me of, like, being in our loft in Chicago and all the drinks you used to make from that bar cart. That was, yes. like, your thing. I remember that. Yeah, Kerouac's cart. I know. Oh, yeah, you, like, <laughs> branded it. You had, like, customized... Coasters that you stamped with this. I had own, my own carpet. menus and everything. Yeah, I was a little bit of a nerd. I still am a nerd, but that's fine. Every, I mean, I loved it. Obviously, I benefited greatly from that. And then anytime we would have company over, it was such a hit because everyone would be so impressed. And you would have your own little wood chip smoker for smoked cocktails. Like, yeah, I'd do those glasses. Oh. I made my own bitters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you really did. Maybe we should just like open our own speakeasy. I think that's what um, you need to do. No, let's just uh, keep on returning to to Filoni's. Well, they're great. They're, they do a good job. They do great, yeah. The, and their charcuterie boards, oh. they were also so affordable. They were just, yeah, they're a little gem because I was not ready for that no. to be there. No, I wasn't ready for any of this. This charcuterie board, these cocktails, this wonderful service, the whole vibe. That, that place is an absolute must. So it's definitely worth seeking out and going down this alley that you feel like you shouldn't be going down because... It, it's right. It's where you want to be. And then, so yeah, we went to it twice. I think after the second night we were there, after drinks, we were talking about going to this bowling alley in town just down the street. And it was like a legit old school Americana bowling alley called Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. And it was so very good, like really awesome. We got some local beers there. And I also like bowled the best game of my entire life. I've never bowled that good before. Yeah, and the other place that we really liked was that Backstreet Bagel Company. Yeah, mm-hmm, that was really good, too. I'm, like, kind of getting more into bagels lately, um, as if I'm just discovering them or something. Like, yeah, they're really, really late good. to that party. <laughs> I know, I know. I've never, well, here's the thing. Like, I've never been much of a bagel person, because I think when it comes to, like, circular carbs. I guess I prefer donuts. You're only allowed one circular carb? Only one. You oh. can't like both. So it's either bagels or donuts. Right. So, but I think I've come around to the fact that I think bagels are actually great pre-hiking food, or at least they're like much better than donuts because I don't want to have like this sugar rush and then crash while I'm on a trail. And Backstreet Bagel Company right in downtown Montrose or downtown with, you know, quotes around it. <laughs> this place had great bagels and I remember the first morning I went, I had a local specialty, a green chili bagel. I, I love green yeah. chilies. I can't say no to a green chili anything. And then on another morning, I went in like kind of the opposite direction. I got something sweet. I got a blueberry bagel, which is a little taboo for bagel connoisseurs. Mm. And the thing that made it even more taboo was I got it with vanilla raisin cream cheese. So basically frosting. I basically had like a little bagel cake sandwich. You really don't have a sweet tooth, though, right? <laughs> that's right. That's what I like to tell people. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm more of a savory bagel guy myself, and I'm usually pretty simple with my bagel tastes. I just like, like, plain cream cheese on a classic bagel. Yeah. Solid. And nice I love gosh. old-fashioned donuts, so it's like... Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm. Just saying. I love pretty how... Pretty plain. Yeah. And you like old-fashioned cocktails. Like, I love how... 
<laughs> thoroughly classic your tastes are and how utterly insane mine are. I'm like, oh, yeah, give me a blueberry bagel with, like, vanilla frosting, please. Well, it's like your style, you know? Yeah. It's all right. over the place, and I love it. A little zany, yeah. Yeah. But um, we do have the same taste about national parks, at least. We do, we do. And that's what matters, so... <laughs> We'll be back with more of the Parklandia podcast from iHeartRadio. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hey, guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a toyota truck you buy toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com toyota let's go places hi i'm matt and i'm brad this is parklandia today we're talking about black canyon of the gunnison national park my favorite um and with that it's time to wrap up with our segment on our favorite things at national parks that we visit yes it's that time and today obviously we're going to share with each other our favorite thing about black canyon of the gunnison and neither of us know what we're going to say. So I have my secret little favorite thing. You have your secret favorite thing. Um, do you want to go first? Do you want to share what your favorite thing about Black Canyon was? My favorite thing about the Black Canyon was getting to spend that quality time with you. Um, I feel like we were like in a rush in the like couple weeks before that. And yeah. getting there, it just allowed me to finish my work. You know, you got to do your own thing. But then we got to spend that day like solid, like solid together. You know, I mm-hmm. turned off, um, I turned on airplane mode and I, we just enjoyed the park. Yeah, you're, yeah, that's true. This was a nice little, this compared to other national parks that we've been to, especially during this time frame, I feel like Black Canyon was more laid back and comfortable and at a good steady pace. 
And also just Montrose is very enjoyable and kind of set the tone. And honestly, yeah. the historical value of it all. I mean, oh, it, yeah, just the what knowledge. they had to do to mm-hmm. get through there and to survey it. I mean, that was beautiful. But yeah. spending the time learning with you, that's yeah. what I loved. Oh, always so sentimental and sweet. What is yours? Um, Mine would probably be that Oak Flat Loop Trail. And mm. although I said, I think in general, I prefer the hiking trails in the North Rim for a variety of reasons. This trail stands out because... One, it dips below the canyon rim a little bit, so you get a, a taste of that without having to set, to descend, like, all the way down to the bottom and, like, have some... I, I think I would be, like, terrified of the heights and stuff. It sounds really primal. But, so that was fun, and it was, like, a somewhat sizable, mildly challenging trail, which I always seek out. But the thing that obviously made it really exciting for me was my bear sighting. Um, yes. The best. That was the best bear sighting. And this was because I've been counting, I've been keeping track of this like a crazy person, the different national parks I've seen a bear in. And Black Canyon is by far the best. This was my favorite sighting, my closest sighting while, you know, still being safe. It's not like I was like running into it or anything like that. And it was just great. I am really glad I got to have that little moment and then take the photos and it was just standing perfectly still like it wanted me to do so. So I guess. So now... What three things would you take to Black Canyon if we were to return, which we will? Well, I would actually really love to camp there. So, um, and I'm talking about tent camping. Um, so I'd love to bring a tent for that. Mm-hmm. Some firewood, if it's allowed, because depending on the time of the sure. season, just like every national park, it, yeah. there's like danger times and non-danger times. And um I would definitely make sure to bring my, like, professional camera if I was down Mm -hmm. there hiking through it um, because that would make for the best photos. Yeah, that's true. Especially since the river and, like, the inner canyon is so far away and deep, it's hard to capture that in just a phone. Like, you get a sense of it and it looks amazing, but it'd be nice to, like, capture more of that detail and depth of the Black Canyon. What about for you? Mm. For me, I would say, keeping in mind that, like, next time I I would, you know, would like to at least tempt going into the Inner Canyon, great shoes with, like, great footing. Mm. I don't want to be slipping and sliding to my death. And I want, I, I also think it's important here, especially here, to have, like, leggings or something. I've, I've been hiking increasingly with those because they provide good sun protection and bug protection while still being lightweight enough that they don't, like, make me feel overheated if it's sunny and hot. And so I would want something like that and also maybe something for my arms in a similar mm. format because I've seen those in different stores, like hiking stores, and I don't have them yet, but I want them. And then... I think you're more of giving me, like, a birthday list than your fee- three yeah, favorite I, things. Yeah, I'm conveniently I, naming these yeah, okay. things I want two I'm weeks before my happening. birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then the the third thing, I guess, I would bring would be, uh, similar to your camera thing, I would bring binoculars. I think this would be a particularly great park for that. Oh, that's a good point. Because the canyon is Super very, very point. deep. And you it's hard to really see any detail down there. You can see, like, the white water from the river, like, in the far distance. But I want to be able to, like, see the details, aside from, like, the East Portal view. Um, I want to be up by the painted wall overlook, and I want to be able to look down and just get a get a better feel. And binoculars would be really great for that. 
Well, what I think is great is that we pretty much are going right into our dream vacation, which it's camping for myself, um, you know, those trails and that hiking for mm-hmm. you. I mean, it's just yeah, amazing because that's, I think, we're on, we're talking about two parts of the same trip right now. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about how we're going to sleep and you're going to talk about how we do what we want to do. So, Right, yeah, because ultimately my dream here would be to do one of these in your canyon hikes with you to the river. Yes. I, I don't want to do it alone. Like there are some like really hardcore hikes that I'm happy to do on my own and I do, but this is something I think I'd be too nervous to attempt because it's so far outside my comfort zone. And I know it would be really, really strenuous and probably terrifyingly steep, but it is one of those like bucket list experiences that I think I would love to do one day. Just work my psych myself up to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, facing fears is the best kind of bucket list experience. I mean, it's just like those intense cave tours at the places like Carlsbad. Yeah. De- yeah, it's totally like similar kind of mindset. As long as we're not crashing down the Gunnison River on a rubber mattress, I'm down to try anything. You've been listening to the Parklandia podcast, a show about national parks by iHeartRadio. Created by Matt Kerouac, Brad Kerouac, and Christopher Hasiotis. Produced and edited by Mike Johns. Executive produced by Christopher Hasiotis. Special thanks to Gabrielle Collins, Crystal Waters, and the rest of the Parklandia crew. And hey, listeners, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people like you find our show. You can keep up with us on social media. Check out photos from our travels on Instagram at Parklandia Pod. And join in the conversation in our Facebook group, Parklandia Rangers. Thank you so much for listening. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.